Alright y'all, hey how y'all doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to podcast number 45 for Brothers Comics. Normally, I would have my two compatriots and two compadres with me with Female Perspective and Big Hutch, but uh, it was really hard to get everybody together for the podcast this weekend. Just things got real busy. And normally we would just push it. We would just say, you know what, we'll do like a longer podcast and just give it to you guys, you know, two weeks later and cover everything. But the way things have been going in the world today and in society this week, I definitely think we needed to take a pause and deal with that. Uh, So this is what that podcast is going to be like. Uh, I'm not going solo or anything like that. We haven't broken up or anything. I'm just going to get this in and a lot of things to get off my chest. Normally... And with the reason that we had set up this blog originally was to talk about comics and pop cultural things, you know, from an African-American perspective. That's what we like to do. But if you've been following us on Twitter or if you've been following us on our Facebook page, you know that we've had to take a huge pause to talk about all the injustice going on in the world. Um, In my opinion, the police are absolutely out of control. Uh, They're untrained. They're uh, trigger happy. And none of them are damn culturally sensitive to the things that are going on with people of color, as well as people that are, you know, mentally ill. And damn for sure, if that person has a mental instability and a person of color, there is no way in hell that a person is going to survive any kind of encounter with the police at this point in time. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to push it to the end of the podcast because I do want to deal with the things that this podcast is supposed to deal about, about comics and comic book culture and those types of things that are coming up. So... The front half of this will be the regular Brothers Comics podcast. We'll do the box office report. Um, we'll do a whole bunch of blurred notes. But then the latter part of that podcast is going to be about kind of social issues that have been going on this past week. All right. So in honor of female perspective, we do have um, blurred, uh, I guess, the box office report. And the first order of box office report is that we look at the newbies that were came out this past weekend. We count them down from one to five and um, or from five to one to see which movies were, you know, kind of hitting and which ones weren't. So in honor of female perspective, I'm going to give her a little bit of a theme music, even though she's not here. Let's see if it'll play. Box Office Report, again, sponsored by no one. If you'd like to sponsor the Box Office Report, uh, hit me up at brotherscomics at gmail.com. All right. So counting them back from five to one, number five movie in the world this week was Snowden. Uh, that is the Oliver Stone conspiracy flick about Edward Snowden. Um, again, I'm not an Oliver Stone fan. I'm not a real big conspiracy buff at this point in time in my life. I've gotten a little bit too old for this shit. But... Uh, the movie has been somewhat successful, I guess, especially for him now in his later part of his career where he's not able to have the, the box office success that he had before. Um, the movie stars who uh, Big Hutch has affectionately nicknamed the law firm, that uh, Gordon Leavitt guy or whatever. I don't think he's a star. I think that, um, you know, we, we need to stop giving him the push that he's been getting. So Snowden was five. Number four, Bridget Jones's Baby. Um I saw the first two Bridget Jones movies. Again, the first one is very, very good. It's very entertaining. And, you know, the producer has a a soft spot for kind of romantic 
chick flicks. Um, if you know me personally, you wouldn't know that because I won't say anything about it, but I do have a soft spot for them. Uh, the second Bridget Jones movie, which I actually saw in the movie theater, which is the one where she goes around the world and winds up in Thailand in jail, is absolute garbage. The movie is terrible. It's hella long. It really makes no sense and went completely off the rails in terms of the franchise. And then guess what happened? The franchise went away. But guess who needs a hit? Who the hell is Renee the Villager? That's who needs a hit. She needs one in the worst way. There's really only thing that she can come back to is Bridget Jones. So she puts on the pounds and we get Bridget Jones's baby. Now, I will probably see this movie at some point in time. It'll probably be on a red box. Uh, I can't see me internationally screening this one. Uh, but there's a two parts to this. One, I hate it for female actresses. Um, that when they get to a certain age, Hollywood just decides essentially that they're not fuckable anymore. So they have to get into these kind of character roles, and that's the only way that they can get work. You know, Renee Zewilliger has an Oscar. It's not that she can't act. You know, she had her little run there. But once actresses get to a certain age, Hollywood kind of chews them up and spits them out. So for her to actually gain work, really, this is the only thing that she could come back to that's probably not some character or small role in a movie or something like that. And that's a shame. I, I, I hate that that happens to female actors because it doesn't happen for male actors. They can act into their 50s and 60s and 70s and still gaining leading roles, even though we know damn well that that person is way too old for that role. Uh, so it, it's such a double standard and I fucking hate it. Uh, the number three movie is Sully. Speaking of people that are too fucking old, it's directed by Clint Eastwood. And even though Tom Hanks is one of my favorite actors, I usually will ship for anything that he's actually in. Uh, I can't mess with this movie. I enjoy the Sully story. It's a great story that happened where him landing that plane in the Hudson River in New York. Um, but I can't support anything that Clint Eastwood has to do. He um, he is someone that I know that would not be a fan of mine, primarily because of the color of my skin. And I can't do anything to put ends in his pockets. This is never going to happen. Um, as much as I, again, I, I really do like Tom Hanks. Uh, so Sully is the number three movie. It's making a good amount of money. I would imagine this is going to wind up with an Oscar nomination for Tom Hanks. Um, so good for Tom Hanks. Eat a dick, Clint Eastwood. Uh, the number two movie was Storks. And as we get into the fall part of the um, the movie season, now we get you know Oscar bait like a movie like Sully and some of the other movies that are coming out. But then you also get a lot of the horror movies as we get closer to Halloween. We had, uh, I guess, uh, what was that? The Blair Witch remake, which actually fell completely off out of the box office after its first week. And then you'll start to get a lot of animated movies, too. And this Storks movie is one of them. I think it's from the people that did the Minions or whichever one of those studios at this point. I mean, it's fine. I'm sure the movie will be fairly entertaining. I will probably see it. My kids would be some, you know, the target audience and the target age for this group of movies. I'll see it at some point in time, probably on a red box, maybe an international screening. But Storks was the number two movie. And then our number one movie of the weekend was the Magnificent Seven remake starring Denzel Washington. Um, first off, let me say this up front. I love Denzel Washington. He is somebody whose movies that I go see in the movie theater. I don't internationally screen him. I don't usually wait for Redbox or Netflix or anything like that for Denzel. He's just somebody that I will support in movies because he's always so good at them. But I do not mess with Westerns. Westerns are a literal relic of the past. I've never messed with Westerns. I don't like John Wayne. You know, 
I don't like uh, I don't like any of those movies, even the ones that starred uh, Jim Brown in it back in the day. Like I don't fuck with any of those movies. Watching westerns is like using a rotary phone. Okay, it, it, it's pointless. It, it, it's so old. It, it, it doesn't make any sense in today and age. And the way that this movie made money this weekend, it made about thirty-five million dollars, which seems like hey, that's not too bad. But it was on a ninety million dollar budget. So I'm not sure if it's going to actually make its money back. The big difference between this Magnificent Seven and the other one, it has a much diverse cast. You know, that's fine. I have no problem with it. But it is still a Western. So I won't be seeing this movie. As much as I love Denzel, I won't be seeing it. I can't even catch this on a red box, a international screening. You know, even if there was a bootleg at the barbershop, I probably still wouldn't watch it. I just do not mess with Westerns at all. Um. And the funny thing is, even though Denzel's the star, what they're trying to do, Chris Pratt is the second co-star in this, or the biggest, second biggest co-star, and they're really trying to give him that kind of the white guy push and to give him the white guy credibility rub against the black actor. Now, I've talked about this a lot between Big Hodge and Female Perspective, and I I always say I'm going to write this article on the website at brotherscomics.com. But I never get a chance to do it because it, it would take so much time and I never had the time to actually sit down and formulate all the thoughts. But basically, in the short version of this for the podcast, basically when there's a white up-and-coming actor, they will pair them up with a established black actor to give them some credibility. It could be street cred, it could be to widen their appeal, so, so to speak. But this always happens. Now, there are certain actors that are actually the ambassadors and kings of the black guy rub. Primarily Morgan Freeman and Samuel Jackson. They have taken on more white actors than a Hollywood casting couch, basically. They take them on, they give them the rub, and then after they get the rub from the black established black actor, then they can move into a different stratosphere, you know, because they're down, I guess. Uh, You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know. And Denzel, because he's always really been an A-list actor, he hasn't really needed to get that kind of rub to somebody else he hasn't really done it that much but as he's starting to get older he has started to give those rubs off a little bit he gave one to chris pine in that runaway train movie he gave one to ryan reynolds in that like spy thriller movie and now he's giving one here to chris pratt in the magnificent seven and now it becomes like is chris pratt an actual or does he have the potential to be an a-list movie star I would say no. I know female perspective would say no if she were also here. But the primary reason for that, one, I don't know that he's attractive enough to be an A-list actor. Two, I don't know if he has the acting chops to do it. And three, like all of his movie success of most recent times has really been with superhero people or with damn dinosaurs. Like, so now can he open a movie being Chris Pratt with him on the poster without some aliens, without some dinosaurs behind him? Can he open a movie? And we're going to get a chance to look at that here coming up because he has a movie coming out with somebody else we don't fuck with, with Jennifer Lawrence here, I think next week or very, very soon um, about something with them on a plane or something. I think Passengers or something like that. I don't know. Something that I ain't going to see. So we'll see if he's an A-list actor. I don't I don't buy it. I know female perspective wouldn't buy it. I'd, I'd imagine Big Hutch is also in agreement with that. So um, that's the box office report. Now, one of the other movies that is coming out in a wide release, it opened up this weekend only like 52 theaters, is The King of Catway uh, with Lupita Luongo and David Oluwanjo. I, I have a hard time pronouncing those names sometimes. 
uh, about a girl who's like a chess king or champion or whatever that they're doing. It's a pretty much an all African cast. It's made by Disney. It definitely has the look of a um, of a Disney flick, but it also has the look of a possible Oscar contender type of movie. Uh, so that does come out in wide release this coming week. Now, my daughter wanted to see it this weekend, and we, you know, did what we could to try to find it, but it was only in 52 screens across America. So um, where I am currently stationed, that was definitely not one of the 52 screenings um, in the United States. Um, so wasn't able to see it, but possibly this weekend I will take her to see it, and we'll drop a fat review for you guys um, on the website. Um, so that is the box office report. And we're going to move straight into Blurred Notes. Now, let's see. Do we have a sounder that might work for Blurred Notes? I have my son here with me. Uh, we're trying to find a sounder that might make a little bit of sense for Blurred Notes. How about uh, how about Chewbacca? You think that might work? Let's see. Hold on. How do they have these, t- these issues? Let's see if Chewbacca will work for Blurred Notes. Ah. Uh, all right, Chewie drops us into blurred notes tonight. Um, I have a few blurred notes. Um, yes, where do I start? Um, let's see. Let's go with this one. Uh, Disney announced this week uh, that they've sat down with uh, the Marvel people and they plotted out like the next ten years of their movies. You know, coming up over the next ten years. And when I saw the article, when I posted it to Facebook, I put "yay" with a question mark, like. Do we really have 10 more years of comic book movies in us? I mean, honestly, how many actual more stories are they going to be able to tell? Honestly, um, you know, as the Avengers comes to a close here over the next couple of, uh, of next few years, uh, the actors in these movies are starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. So at some point in time, these movies are going to have to be restarted and rebooted. Um, and I'm not sure if that's really a great idea, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, the saturation point for comic book movies might have already hit. And so thinking out 10 more years of this, I'm not really sure if that's such a great idea for Marvel. The only way where it would become a good idea is if somehow they merge with the Fox people and they're able to use all the characters across, you know, um, that, that, you know, at their disposal. Okay, so we could finally see the X-Men and the Avengers together or the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Like if that were the case, if that somehow worked out, then there's something fresh and new that they're going to be able to put out there, and that would work over the next 10 years. But if it's just going to be, hey, we're going to do a new, a new Avengers with a new Captain America and a new Thor and a new such and such because these people are old as hell now, I, I might not, not be down for that at that point in time. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense. Now, do I think uh, superhero go- movies are going to go the way of the Western? Probably not. I think we're always going to have at least some version of them at all times. But I think the saturation point where they're going to be making all of this money for these studios, I think that is past. And I think you're starting to see that. You know, as movies, even as successful and as good as they are, if you take a movie like, um, what was the Captain America movie from this summer? Uh, Civil War. You know, it's a good movie. But it didn't perform nearly as well uh, financially as I think that they thought it was going to. Um, so it. It, it, it really depends. I'm not sure if we are to reach that saturation points for our comic books and those uh, comic book movies. Um, our oh, next dear. blurred note, let's see if we have another one. Another sounder that might be good for blurred notes. How about this? Oh, 
Now, we're not going to talk Ghostbusters. I guarantee you that. Uh, because I'm really not that big of a fan of that movie as well. But the next blurred note is, um, let's see. Um, the Punisher. Now, Punisher, the last time we saw him was on Daredevil. What the uh, Ghostbusters really didn't want to stop. There we go. Alright, there we go. Um, the Punisher, the last time we saw him, he was on the Daredevil Netflix uh, show. Uh, and if you saw season two of Daredevil, the best parts of the season two were with the Punisher. Uh, anytime John Bernathal was on the screen, he popped. You know, whether it was dealing with crazy-ass Karen or in his fight scenes with Daredevil. I mean, it, it was just awesome, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but now they're talking about, hey, he might show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, as they start to try to, you know blend the Netflix and TV universes with the larger Marvel cinematic stuff. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that they could do to get me to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there are people that I follow on Twitter that I love and trust who tell me that that show is so much better and has gotten so much better from season one, but I got burnt like toast on season one, man. I tried to watch it. I DVR'd it. I watched it. I, I'm like, well, maybe it's not as bad. I tried to talk about it with some of my friends and Brother Beavis. Like, it just didn't work for me. And anytime I go back to it now, the taste in my mouth is so bad that I can't get it out. So I can't mess with that show at all. And maybe at some point in time when it's completely on and off, like the air, or it's off the air and I can watch all of them at once, maybe uh, I could do it. You know, they've already debuted uh, separate but equal Ghost Rider on there. Ghost Rider is a character that I do like, but that's still not going to be enough for me to uh, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And my question would probably be to Big Hutch and them if they were here. Is there anything that they could do to get you to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's anything that they could do for me to get me to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But it is what it is. All right. So that was blurred note number two. Uh, blurred note number three. I don't know, man. You know about hitting on these things, uh, these sounders. Let's try this one. This is a good one. I like this one. Next note is not about Jaws, and again, you know that I don't mess with horror movies. I've barely seen most of that movie before. Um, the next blurred note is another Marvel note about the Red Skull. Now, the actor Hugo Weaving, who played him in Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, did an interview where he was saying, like, yeah, he'd love to revisit the character and kind of drop some hints that maybe he may show up in those last two Infinity War movies, uh, those last two Avengers movies now. It would make perfect sense if you've ever read the uh, the Infinity War, or if you've seen any of the stuff with the um, uh, with the Tesseract or anything like that in the comic books. You know, the Red Skull has played a large role in that, and so for him to actually come back to it would make perfect sense. The way he was killed, air quotation marks, in the um, in the movie would you know kind of lead to maybe he got sucked into the cube he could make his way back it would just make perfect sense uh the red skull is the ultimate schemer generally never be able to be killed so to speak so i i, I it wouldn't surprise me at all if he wound up in there and he is a very as goofy as he looks he's a very good villain and the way he is often written if he's not written in the cartoonish version of being like a master manipulator and planner and schemer would definitely work. It also works with, um, you know, even though they kind of ran Hydra off in the Age of Ultron, 
it still would work in a sense that, you know, you could kind of bring him back into the universe. Uh, so I would be very excited about that. All right. The last blurred note is on the Luke Cage series on Netflix. Now, it is September the 28th. Luke Cage debuts on September the 30th at midnight on Netflix. The joy of Netflix is that it is going to have every single episode all for your enjoyment all at once. Now, uh, I put on our Facebook page a picture of a lady throwing a brick at somebody and basically said, if any of you fools come at us trying to spoil Luke Cage stuff before Sunday night, I will put a brick in your shit. Okay? You need to make sure that you keep it spoiler-free on our page, on Twitter, and whatnot. I know, um, shout out to Black Girl Nerds, shout out to Geeks of Color, that they are doing their live tweets on the East Coast. Shout out to Steph I. Will, shout out to uh, Patrick Lewis, um, and I, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but I know they're doing the West Coast version of um, the live tweets for Luke Cage. Uh, the cr- show's creator and showrunner um, has encouraged everybody to live tweet the show to give us something, you know, to spread the word out on Luke Cage. You know, I'm excited for this. I'm talking about it right now, and I'm actually getting goosebumps just talking about it. You know, uh, if you go based on Daredevil Season 1, you know, whatever you feel about Daredevil Season 2, if you go on what Jessica Jones does or what Jessica Jones did, you know, you can't you can't help but be excited for Luke Cage. It, it, it's a great hero. Um, it, they're definitely making it a street-level story. The trailers have looked absolutely awesome. They definitely got the street vibe going with all the episodes named after Gangstar songs, uh, Rest in Peace, Guru. Like, this should be lit. And you really hope that they put their heart and their soul and their minds into giving Luke Cage the actual push that he deserves as a character and as a hero. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I said to my son today, he's only 11, I'm like, man, I'm looking forward to watching that. But he's not it's probably not something that he's actually going to be able to watch you know whenever i have on daredevil or jessica jones he kind of has to go to the other room or i have to watch it on headphones because you know just because of the language and whatnot but this is also you know it's a black superhero man he's gonna need to see this like he needs to see how important this is and how this representation really does matter even though it might be a little bit you know kind of street level and grimy so uh i'm looking forward to it Um, Luke Cage has always been one of my favorite characters. I'm so glad they got him out of the yellow butterfly collar and the the bracelets or whatever across his head and his wrist. He already dropped a sweet Christmas in the Jessica Jones thing, so we already know that that's happening. Uh, And then shouts out to Curtis Cook. Uh, Curtis, a friend of the show. Um, He's actually in uh, Luke Cage, and he's actually going to be able to, uh, you know, hopefully we're trying to get him on the air to be able to talk about it when we first heard that he was in it, he couldn't talk about it because of the non-disclosure. But once the show debuts, I was trying to get Curtis on to, you know, kind of give his experience on the set and, you know, what's been coming for Luke Cage. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to Luke Cage. And again, no spoilers or you will get a brick put in your shit. No doubt. All right. So I think that's all the blurred notes. Let me make sure I didn't miss any. Not rolling any dice today. Hutch isn't here. So, all right, so that's all the blurred notes. All right. <sighs> let's get into this social stuff. Well, you know what? Before we do that, you know, let's do some a couple of RIPs that have happened over the course of the uh, last couple of days. Um, one sports one. Uh, rest in peace to Arnold Palmer, uh, famous golfer, died in his 80s uh, here over the last couple of days. Um, 
Now, I'm, I was a golfing fan when Tiger was out and doing his thing and being good. Uh, I'm a sports fan in general, so it's not like I don't know who Arnold Palmer is or was. But it's not like I was watching golf back in the day, you know, uh, watching him play golf or anything like that. Uh, but I know that him dying is a huge deal in the sports world. Um, so, yeah, shouts out, uh, rest in peace to Arnold Palmer. Um, uh, that was kind of a tragedy that came after another like tragedy in the entertainment world, and definitely more so for um, Blurs and Nerds, is that Bill Nunn, probably better known as Radio Raheem in um, Do the Right Thing, and as Dutta Man in um, New Jack City, he passed away at 62 at his home in Pittsburgh um, over this past week as well. Um, now, Bill Nunn, if you've ever seen Do the Right Thing, is by far, at least if you don't count, I guess if you want to count Malcolm X and Spike Lee's uh, finest work, uh, he does such a great job in that movie. Um, you know, he's the Dutta Man in New, in New Jack City. Uh, I have my uh, disputes about how good of a movie New Jack City is. Uh, that might be a podcast for another time with Hutch and, and Female Perspective. Uh, and then he was also played Robbie Robertson in the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy as well, although he really didn't get a whole lot to do, uh, but he did get a chance to be in those movies as well. So, yeah, man, rest in peace. He's a Morehouse man from Atlanta. Uh, shouts out to uh, and rest in peace to Bill. No, no, that's 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 rough. All right. So let's get to the social stuff. Now, over the past week and even today, as I'm recording this podcast, this stuff has been going on. It's been going on, like, forever, but it seems to be more prominent now, especially with the advent of cell phones, dash cams, and um, body cameras on the police officers. Yet, for some reason, even though we see full evidence of things, somehow people are still not charged and get off from doing shit. But, over the course of this last week, Terrence Crutcher uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, out of his car because his car is not working. Police roll up on him from a camera view, from a helicopter and everything. This man is walking back to his car with his hands up in the air. And he is shot and executed and killed right there in front of everybody. And that's it. Now, the lady that did shoot him, it was a female officer. Uh, she was charged uh, with manslaughter. Uh, but... In a sense, it's a double-edged sword. You know, one, they're going to charge this lady because she's a lady. I mean, you know, and they're going to try to run her because she's, you know, she was a female and she wasn't trained and shouldn't have been out there dealing with these crazy black folks. There's that part of it. But there's also the sense that, you know, how in the world does somebody shoot somebody when they got their hands clearly way up in the air? Like, oh, well, he wasn't following directions. The police told him to stop. Like, there's other ways that you could do this. Like the one dude employed the taser and the other person shot him. Like, how is that? Like both options are even available at that point in time. Like if you think that that person is a danger to you or a danger to himself, it's not lethal means. You can't have a broken down car. My car is broken down a bunch of times. And so if I got the hood popped up, there's a possibility that I'm going to get shot and killed because my car is broken. Get the fuck out of here. You know? And again, these are things that don't happen to white people. They just don't. If a white person's car breaks down, the police officer's going to pull up, and the first thing he's going to say to him or her is, how can I help you? It's not going to be, put your hands in the air, get out of the car. It's not It's not going to be any of that. Because, and I'm using an old um, 
Richard Pryor joke. It's like, you know, because white people, you know the police officers. You know, hey, Officer Timpson, glad to be of help. You know, black people don't know them like that because there's no trust. I don't trust that you're going to come up there to help and protect and serve me, air quotations. I think that you're going to show up and to kill me. And you put into a situation, well, maybe that person has a mental illness or maybe that person is distrustful of the police or maybe any other factors that are involved. When you see that car is broken down in the middle of the street and you see that person working on it or you see that person around there, the question of, hey, can we help you? What's going on? There's not an automatic assumption that a white person is a criminal, but a black person is. It's an automatic assumption that that person is a criminal. The dude said it on the helicopter rule. That's one bad dude, man. They had already made the decision that they were going to shoot and hurt or harm that person long before anything had happened. Long before. Because it's in the, in the, it's in the police officer's DNA to understand or to think that black people are already criminals. So that's Terrence Crutcher. So once you get over that one, it's like, damn it, I had to watch that on the news. I didn't post it on our Facebook page because I didn't want to have to see it, even though I watched it myself. And then, boom, it doesn't take much longer for that. Then you get another dude killed. Um, who was the other gentleman that got killed? Um, golly, I can't even, um, I can't even get all the names straight after a while. Oh, Keith Lamont Scott, yeah, in North Carolina, sitting in his car. You know, he says he's reading a book. Police officers say that he had a gun. Okay, I watched that video as well. His wife recorded this on her, on her, on her camera phone. And the situation goes down and you can see on the camera phone that they're telling me to get out of the car, get out of the car, get out of the car. Now, again, people, mostly white people would be like, oh, well, he wasn't following orders. So that's why he got shot. But when it's sitting in your car, a death sentence. And so now the police start to, as the story starts to unravel, like, oh, well, we saw it. We were there to serve a warrant on somebody else, but we saw him rolling a blunt. So, you know, we had, we turned our attention on him. Why is having a blunt a death sentence either? So you see this dude that you're there to serve a warrant on somebody that's obviously much more important than somebody rolling a blunt. You could just tell him, hey, put that blunt out. No, we have to go through this whole process where you're going to arrest him. And again, I'm in my car. You roll up on me. I don't know why you're there. And you try to tell me like to get out of the car. How? Who, who do I know? And even if I do know and I think that you are the police, I'm supposed to trust you because what? Because you got my best interest at heart. Man, get the fuck out of here. You don't have my best interest at heart. And at that point in time, again, they'd already made their move. And things were going to go down. And it did. Later story comes out that the man has a traumatic brain injury. So he might not altogether understand exactly what you are saying to him. As you're trying to yell at him to get out of the car. And then the other video comes out where he was out of the car. He had his hands up and he was also shot too. Again, he is not a threat to anybody at that point in time. And there's another video that comes out where it looks like the police officer's like, oh, well, they said he had a gun. It looks like the police officer planted that gun on the ground. This is the police that we're dealing with at this point in time. People are like, oh, well, they're all not bad. Well, of course not. Not they're all bad. Not all doctors are bad. Not all teachers are bad. Not all anybody is bad. We don't live in a world of absolutes. We're not the Sith. But until the good police officers start calling out the bad police officers, then you can't trust any of them, not one of them, because they're always going to lie. Ice-T said it back in the 80s. He was like, the police is the biggest gang in America, and they are, because they got all the suits of it, all, the, all the, the markings of a gang. They all look the same. 
They all dress the same. They all wear the same colors. And they're all going to protect their own. Period. So how do you get, you know, you can't send out a gang to break up a gang, man. And now this is state-sanctioned violence of a gang against other people. Primarily against people of color. And so this man gets shot and gets killed. And then I'm like, man, you start to get over that one. And then just again today, we have another gentleman that gets killed, another black man that gets killed. His name is Alfredo Alongo. Now, he clearly, from the video, it looks like he's had a, a mental episode. His sister called the police to say, hey, my son, my, my brother is having a mental episode. I need y'all to help him. And the police roll up on him. He's clearly having a mental episode. Now, instead of being able to, you know, kind of talk him down to kind of let him work through it. No, they like, oh, well, he, he took a shooting stance. And then one again, one police officer chases him. The other one shoots him. How is that even possible that both of you are in the same situation and one goes to kill and one goes to to stun? How does this happen? Are you that ill trained? Are you that poorly trained? Are you just that scared out of your mind? Or are you just trying to, you know, end the situation the best way you can? See, the police are actually supposed to be there to enforce the law. They are not judges. They are not juries. They are not executioners. But now they're getting a chance to be all three in a matter of seconds. And so now this man who was having a mental episode that he probably couldn't control at all, whose sister called to try to actually help him get out of this situation to save him from this situation, wind up dead. It, what are we supposed to do? There are things now that black people cannot do that are just normal things that normal people, white people, can get away with that black people can't do. I can't have my tail light out on my car. I can't have my car break down. I can't be wearing a hoodie. I can't be sitting in my car reading a book. I can't be doing these things because now those are death sentences. For damn getting arrested. For damn. If I was able to get arrested, that'd be great because I would at least survive the, the encounter. But unfortunately, when the police pull over somebody that looks like me, now this is going to become a death sentence for a traffic stop, for a, a busted taillight, for anything. Oh, you didn't have your license and registration. I wind up dead. And this is just awful. It's just awful. And until we change the way the policing happens in this country, it's only going to get worse. Because for whatever reason, some people, mostly white people, will cape and do backflips and contort themselves immensely to cover for these assholes. They will. Like, oh, well, he should have been, if he followed directions, if you would just did this, or if you had just did that, or if you had just did that, man, fuck you. I should be able to do any of these things and not die. You want to arrest me? Fine. But I shouldn't die. I shouldn't die because my traffic light or my, my, my stop, my tail light was out. That should not be a death sentence. Okay? And none of these situations was anybody fighting against the police, jumping on them, throwing punches or anything like that. And just go on the internet and put in, like, in a Yahoo search, or a YouTube search, put in white people who survived the police. And you'll see all these videos of all these things that white people are doing, fighting back against the police, against police officers, and somehow they survive these attacks. But let my black ass try that. I'll be dead before I hit the ground. So, my people, be safe out there. Make sure your car has all the gas that you can possibly get in. Make sure that all your taillights is working. Make sure that if you got babies, that your child support is up and paid. Make sure that you're not wearing a hoodie in the wrong neighborhood. Make sure that you have all of everything that needs to be done properly. 
Because even still, if those swirlies come up behind you, it still might not work out. So I need y'all to be safe. And it pisses me off to no end that at some point in time, I'm going to have to have this conversation with my son about a different set of rules that he's going to have that his white friends won't. That he's not going to be able to take his hands off the wheel if he gets pulled over. He's not going to be able to walk towards the police with his hands up. Or he can't put his hands in his pockets. He can't do any of these types of things because he's going to be viewed as a threat. And since he's viewed as a threat, they're going to view his life as less than these other kids and they're going to kill him. Okay? And it pisses me the fuck off that I have to have that conversation with him. Right? So, too many freaking hashtags is basically what it is. There's way too many hashtags for way too many black folks that are being killed by the police. And it's it's almost at um, epic proportions, man, at this point in time. It's, it's, it's out of control. Absolutely out of control. <sighs> All right. I got that off my chest. With that off my chest, we can get to the STFUs. Um, I think I have a little bit of a sounder for that, though. The police can get one? Well, Well, yeah. like, they can put their gun down, STFU. Well, yeah, yeah, I could do that. It's my son chiming in. Now, I think I had a miscellaneous sounder here for this. I um, like the police. Hold on. Let's see. Oh, man, I got to get these things, like, up and running. Like, right there at the start. It's my son, like I said, he's the, uh, he's the producer of this thing today. Uh, doing his best to help me out find these things. Now, here we go. Here's a little what the... Here we go. What the... Try it. What the fuck? Alright. So, we got the SCFU awards this week. Um... I could give them out to a whole bunch of people, but I'm just going to focus on the ones that um, kind of Don't touch Trump. me on the fact. All right. So um, the first one, a sports one, uh, to Michael Crabtree. Uh, Michael Crabtree, wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders now. He used to play for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, an okay player. He's not a superstar, that's for sure. Definitely not what we thought he was going to be when he came out of college. Um, so... Today, or a couple of days ago, Michael Crabtree came out and it's like, you know, when they asked him about the Colin Kaepernick situation, he, his exact quote was like, you know, I ain't, I ain't no Martin Luther King. You know, he was essentially saying that I'm a football player. I ain't no Martin Luther King. Well, you know what? You also ain't, motherfucker, you also ain't an English teacher. You also ain't helping. You also ain't shit, basically. So, um, I don't even know why you fix those words to come out of your mouth. You know what? There's nothing wrong with saying nothing. I don't understand why people have to give their opinion when they know their opinion is dumb. You know what? If somebody asks you about Colin Kaepernick and you don't agree with him, you could just say, I don't have any comment about that and keep it moving. But to come out and again, I, I, I ain't no MLK. Of course you ain't no MLK. Of course you aren't. But you don't have to like downgrade that man and his protests for because you, well, I don't know that you don't like him or you're an all lives matter person. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I know you ain't helping the situation at all. And you definitely ain't no English teacher. So, um, my Crabtree, you please just shut the fuck up. All right. Another sports one, though, is Coach Mike Dicker. Now, Coach Mike Dicker uh, is a Trump supporter. That's not a surprise. Um, 
he was an old white man. Also, not a real big surprise that he would be a Trump supporter. Um, so he comes out and he says, of course, on the Michael uh, or in the Kaepernick situation too, uh, that he's not a supporter of that, obviously, and he has no respect for him, and uh, basically that he, you know, that he's not a fan of uh, Colin Kaepernick. Well, first off. Uh, Coach Dicker, shut the fuck up. Like, seriously, like, it, it's always surprises me, or actually, it never surprises me when these older white coaches, when they get out of coaching, you know, that they've used all these black bodies to make all this money and to get all this measure of success. Uh, but later on in life, when they turn around, they're like, man, you know what, you know, all these people are this, or these black people are this, or, you know, they always turn out to be Republicans, like, uh, what's that, Tom Osborne, um, and a couple of other coaches I can't think of off the top of my head, they always go there, but you know what, instead of being like, somebody's like, you know what, uh, I, I, I can understand where he's coming from, or not say anything, he of course goes the other route and takes it to the absolute extreme, now Dick had been on that shit for a while though. Okay, it's why the players love Buddy Ryan more than they loved him back in the 80s. Okay, because he always been on that shit. And he's been on that shit for a while because when he was in Illinois, he was going to run against, you know, a junior senator at the time, Barack Obama. He's always he's been hating on Barack Obama. He's been supporting Trump. I mean, man, shut the fuck up. Like, seriously, like you just an old relic of a dude. Go watch a Western. Go use your rotary phone. You know, go, go do just go do something that old people do. Because your old ass opinion don't really matter anymore. Alright? So, yeah, please, shut the fuck up. Hey, let's see if I got one for him. Hold on. I think I actually might have one for Dip Coach Dicker. Let's see if it works. Ah, come on! Don't do it to me. Thought you had it. Come on! Ah! Man, I hate I hate technology sometimes. I hate that technology. All right, um, another one. Hey, here it is. Wait. Shut the fuck up. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, one of my other ones here is for Representative North Carolina Representative uh, Robert Pettinger. Uh, he went on the BBC after the nights of the riots with uh, the death of Keith Lamont Scott. And he went on the BBC and basically said that um, all these rioters, uh, they hate white people and they're all jealous of our success. And that's why they're out here rioting. Word. That's why. It's not about the injustice that's going on in your state. It's not about this man that got killed. Innocent. Um, well, innocent or not, this man that got killed for no particular reason. Like, that's not about it. No, it's because white people, like black people, hate white people and we're jealous of your success. Man, eat a fucking dick. Like, that's not the reason that, like, people are upset. It's not that they hate white people. It's not that black people hate white people. Black people hate injustice. They hate a system that's not fair. And it's like, oh, well, you're rioting and you're doing these things that, you know, it's like, well, that, I think Martin Luther King said something to the effect of rioting is the voice of the unheard. Like, people aren't, you're not hearing them when they're telling you these things. Hey, these things are going on. This system isn't fair. There's an injustice going on. You're not hearing them when they say it. And so since you're not hearing them when they say it lightly and calmly, then that injustice gets to them and it comes down in loud and dangerous and violent ways. It's not like they feel like, oh, you know what, this is going on. I'm just, you know what, let's just go ahead and burn this thing down. Because you know who does that? White people do that. 
Okay, when there's a sports winning championship, they go and they tear shit up. When their favorite concert person didn't make it on stage or they only played two songs and he walked off, then they tear up the whole concert facility. Or when Woodstock 94, if the things don't work out the way, if somebody plays break stuff, they start breaking stuff and raping people. Okay, like don't let's let's not pretend that white people are all innocent in these endeavors when things don't go their way or when things don't go the way that they perceive them to be. You know, so it ain't about jealousy. It's about injustice. It's about a system that's not fair. And until that system is fair, you're going to have these situations happen over and over and over again. Okay, so that's what it is. So, Mr. Robert Pettinger. Senator from, or no, he's a representative from North Carolina. Uh, I think you need to get one too. Hold on. Shut the fuck up. All right, y'all, and that's it. I think those are all of my STFUs, my either dicks. Get one to Donald Trump. Donald Trump can get one every day, so it's okay. So that is the end of podcast number 45 for Brothers Comics. Um, That's a solo. And like I said, we're not breaking up. I'm not Bobby Brown. I'm not leaving New Edition or anything like that. It was just something that I had to get off my chest and share it with, uh, you know, our loyal listeners and followers. Um, This weekend coming up, we have a few things coming on. We should have podcast number 46 with Big Hutch and Female Perspective and myself. Um, we will definitely be talking about Luke Cage on that podcast. Uh, we also have uh, Who Day Over 40. We did not do Who Day Over 40 this past week. Uh, that loss to Denver did not go over well with Big Hutch. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't get him out of his shell to make sure that he would uh, to come on and do the podcast about it. I'm going to uh, be but, in it. But they're going to play this coming week, and hopefully they win, and we can get another podcast out there. And then tomorrow night, we have Thursday Comic Book Corner chat uh, with myself, Big Hutch, Sandman, and Brother Beavis as we start to our, continue our walk through the Uncanny X-Men, stopping uh, in, a, in a story about Doctor Doom and the X-Men and kind of talking about Doom as a villain uh, for the X-Men and other people, as well as uh, moving our way closer to issue number 150, uh, which is a, a huge Magneto arc. All right, so that is podcast 45. I am the producer. I'm going to sign off. The sign I came, or the song I came in on was the cypher um, with, um, uh, I was going to call him Black Dante, uh, but with Mos Def, uh, uh, and it was the Black Thought, and then also uh, Eminem. So we're going to kind of play you out on that um, because it's just such a dope song. I know praising Eminem in certain ports of uh, the Internet will get you blacklisted. But um, as I've said on numerous occasions, um, there has never been a rapper who can build to crescendo like Eminem. Not one. Literally not one. His ability to rhyme and flow and then build to crescendo without losing his flow or tempo is literally unheard of. And if you can't uh, figure that out, then you're not really a real rap fan. You're just somebody that's hating on him because he's white. All right? So I'm going to play you out with the cypher again. Please.
Y'all take it easy. Producer signing off. Peace.